This is Dr. Charles Parker, and you're listening to Core Brain Journal. It's the place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome aboard, folks. Dr. Charles Parker here one more time at Core Brain Journal, and we're hosting an interesting program in which we really bring uh, neuroscience professionals in, individuals who comment on the changing uh, scene regarding neuroscience uh, applications, uh, inquiries, discoveries. And today we have a different person on. We have a person who actually got beat up by the system in a certain respect and wants to talk about it. And so it's a kind of a street level um, evaluation discussion of a person. I'm not evaluating him. He's going to evaluate what's happened to him. And we're going to talk a little bit. Craig Lewis, welcome aboard. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and a privilege to be with you. So what we're going to do is we'll have a couple words from our sponsors, and then we're going to introduce Craig to you, and we're going to hear what's going on with him and how he experienced some absolute challenges along life's way with mental health. So CBJ is sponsored by Direct Health Access Laboratory with over 3 million studies. They are deep leaders of experience with the big picture of measuring, for example, methylation, cryptopyrrol, and copper challenges. You will learn more if you go to corebrainjournal.com forward slash 115, where we have Dr. Walsh talking about these matters. They provide a global service with, indeed, a molecular focus. Molecular physiology is the new standard of care. Stay tuned and head over to dhalab.com forward slash core. That's a singular, dhalab.com forward slash core for more information about Direct Health Access Laboratories. Core Brain Journal is also sponsored by the nonprofit Barry Robinson Center teams in Norfolk, Virginia, where they provide residential child and adolescent care on an evolved family, interpersonal, and global level. They're TRICARE friendly. It's important to know that they have a improved comprehensive assessment program, including biomedical testing for the treatment failure that they deal with there. I really strongly recommend that you run over to barryrobinson.org, B-A-R-R-Y, robinson.org, forward slash core for more information from them. Really unusual facility. We appreciate working with them. So let me tell you a little bit about Craig. Craig has been two years off of all of psychiatric medications that he began taking way back. Folks, grasp this concept in the 80s. And he's had numerous medical diagnoses, psychiatric diagnoses. He is a downstream effect of the, uh, I'm saying science in quotation marks, of the fashion show appearance diagnoses. How you look in modern psychiatry is who you are. We don't agree with that. As you know, we've been talking about it rather emphatically here with a number of our guests. And Craig is an example of a person who was downstream from that guesswork, and he's going to tell us a lot about it. We're at, we're, in the show notes, we're going to have a video hooked uh, to him. In addition, he has three books that he's going to give away. The first one they wrote is Better Days, a mental health recovery workbook. New, the second, New Traditions, a workbook for, for those better days. 
And number three, your crazy volume one. So Craig, thanks so much for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. That's a brief intro. How did all this difficulty, tragedy, and misunderstanding take place in your life? Well, thank you for that beautiful introduction. And I must say that I absolutely cherish that you call it a, a tragedy. And, uh, um, you know, that's what it is. But it's also has resulted in something extremely beautiful, which is my focus in life, which is to take what happened to me and do something wonderful with it for others. I, I believe that as a young person, I was just quite creative and interested in the world and all that was out there. And I was quite ambitious and I had a great big worldview that I could do anything I wanted, go anywhere I wanted and have a great life traveling the world and being around interesting and different people. And my family, for whatever reason, uh, believed that that was a sign of something that was amiss. And uh, they went to great lengths to have that addressed. My parents um, grew up in the 1940s. Uh, we are a Jewish family. And my only understanding of what may have happened as uh, during their childhood was growing up in the U.S. during the 1940s as toddlers, as young Jewish children. I can only imagine uh, the kind of uh, internalization that their mothers experienced with the news coming across the media. And so... All I know is that when I was born, that I was born with the purpose of, um, like most parents, to raise a family with love and compassion and to do something beautiful, an expression of love. And somewhere along the way, that didn't work out so well. And I was really kind of uh, targeted as the source of the fam family dysfunction. And that translated into, you know, me being brought to see uh, different sort of um, mental, mental health providers and psychiatrists etc. And uh, one of the first things I had said to them, that's all documented, was that uh, there's something wrong with my parents, which is I was actually quoted as saying as a child. And so because I have all my documentation now that proves everything, I've come to learn that there was just some sort of compulsion or need uh, for my family to have a child that was the source of a who, who could be pinpointed as the source of the dysfunction instead of the actual source of the dysfunction. And that resulted in a long-term, very complicated, very inappropriate, very manipulative, and yes, abusive, and, well, pretty severe case of child abuse, which I guess I just said publicly for the first time that that's what it is. And uh, that resulted in a, a psychiatric treatment and diagnosis to uh, what I now know is, or, or peers who have kept me quiet. So 28 years later of living a life of just abject struggle while at the same time always believing in something beautiful and something potentially gorgeous in the world that could be, I could taste, I could smell it, I just had no idea how to get it. Uh, you know, I had this dream and desire for something better and somehow I freed myself. And two and a half years ago, resulting in, for the first time, knowing what feelings were, knowing, for the first time, learning how to connect with another human being. It's been a very rocky road. And so that is what happened to me. 
Yeah, well, what I, happened in that two and a half years ago? It sounds you had a transformational experience, but what was the context? What was the reality in your life that turned you around and had you face yourself in a different way than you had previously? Because all those years you were doing what you could have just put one foot in front of the other, it sounds like. And then, but, yeah. you know, I think it'd be of interest to our listeners. What does a person, what, what does a person experience when they turn themselves around, what drives them to turn themselves around and take a position? And, and what was that position that you took? <laughs> well, you know, um, when you finally begin to see different psychiatrists and they start to tell you that you don't have any of these conditions that you've been drugged for all these years, and in fact, they want you to go off the medication, which is somewhat unusual for psychiatrists to be so adamant about that. Uh, and that was the uh, fact that initially psychiatrists documented that I had no need for medication, and in fact, the medication had made me ill. Um, having all that information and seriously unacceptable things documented, which shows a culpability of just a, um, a degree of, I don't even want to say it, it's that, that horrific. Um, it left me with a, in a situation where you know, I had doctors telling me these pills are causing you to be sick and that you have trauma. And so I decided after uh, a few years of being told that it was the medication that was causing me these issues and the documentation proving it and then doing some sort of uh, going back in time really and meeting up with people who, who knew me as a child and as a teenager and old therapists and psychologists and well, their story was all the same, that I was indeed treated with psychiatry as an uh, attempt to silence me or to quiet me. And so the choice to, to open up my world was uh, one of the scariest things I've ever done. Yet I did it. And well, now stop right there for a second, Craig, because you were close to telling us, but I didn't quite get. I mean, you did answer a little bit, and then you said you had some medical backing. You had several psychiatrists who saying, what the heck are you on so much medication for? And I don't know if I even agree with this diagnosis. And, and I can tell you, friends, this isn't the first time we've heard this, where somebody disagrees with another diagnosis, especially more informed psychiatrists, contemporary life, they're thinking more biologically, you know, uh, the, the appearance diagnosis, the fashion show diagnosis doesn't hold up. And if a person is in fact over-medicated, which is what it sounds like, if he was over-medicated, there were two issues. One was the diagnosis may have been quasi-correct, but it didn't make any difference. The medications weren't working correctly, and the two did not match. So it's, it's partly, and I haven't talked to you about this, Craig, but it's partly the diagnosis and partly the mismanagement of the medication is what it sounds like. What do you think it, about that? Well, um, I think if you had a good look at my medical records, uh, you would look at them and say, uh, much like everyone else does, get sick to their stomach, first of all. But I think when they get to the page, that's a transcript of uh, my mother speaking with the clinicians at the group home. Uh, the transcript states, and I paraphrase, tell the psychiatrist that uh, he needs to change the medical record from stating that uh, we, his parents, are sick and he is healthy, and that, in, in fact, Craig is sick and we, the parents, are healthy. And so if that is a documented uh, phone call, 
which is then backed up with numerous other documents that show that only, only uh, clinicians and providers and psychiatrists who agreed with, with a certain sort of uh, narrative were allowed to communicate over the years, uh, then that really paints a picture that is there a misdiagnosis or is there, as initially understood, a normal, whatever normal is, uh, you know, regular, regular kid who's reacting to some extremely abnormal situations behind closed doors with behaviors and how you treat a child, et cetera. And uh, it was just a case of somebody being misdiagnosed or being given a diagnosis because they could not uh, counter the money and power of the parents in the system. It's funny how the, uh, the whole system can uh, be biased based, it's really hearsay when you think about it. I mean, if a person can't do a really careful examination on an individual and they don't really know how to ask the questions correctly and the questions are based on appearances, then there's a built-in imprecision in making the diagnosis based on appearances because as we talk about so often here in Core Brain Journal and all the guests that we have, we have so many guests that are talking about biomedical influences that actually can change a person's mind. But in this particular case, no one was talking about biomedicine. It was an argument between the, the child and the parents. The parents didn't want to have a problem. They wanted the, parent, the child to have a problem. And the child did not want to have a problem. They wanted the parents to come on and be, be real with what their problems were. So, you know, what that, I mean, that's the sum and substance of it, but you're stimulating now an important question, which I'm going to ask you when we come back, because this is, this is the question. And I'm sure a lot of, this is not an uncommon situation where people disagree on the diagnosis and the medication. This is, you know, it happens all day, every day across the country. Every second opinion we get, somebody has a disagreement with the person that came before. So our mission in my practice and, and through these conversations with experts is to get this entire situation far more precise. And we're more precise, you're more predictable. If you're going to use medications, you're going to use them correctly as opposed to guesswork and games. So here's the question I'm going to ask that I think a number of our uh, listeners would really be quite interested in. And so in, we're going to take a break here, but I'm going to ask you the question right now. We'll come back and ask it after, we, after the break. And that is, what the heck happened to you when you went off of all those medications? Because from my point of view, I'm, hey, I'm just guessing, but I can imagine that would be catastrophic in some ways. So, folks, we're going to be back in just a moment to hear Craig's answer to that question. Back in a moment, folks. Well, folks, you know as well as I do that psychiatric treatment failure, especially after multiple medication trials and those very, very brief hospitalizations, may prove insufficient to deal at home with the complexity of troubled children and, and those adolescents from 6 to 17 years old. Improved care, those next mandatory steps, should include a more comprehensive approach to address those multiple levels of challenges, from family to peers to school diagnostically from defiance to depression on every level for families, including military families internationally. The Barry Robinson Center's 32-acre open college-like campus in Norfolk, Virginia, provides safety and security and clean, comfortable living. How do we know we refer folks over there all the time, strongly endorse what they're doing? 
So for further information and informed interview, connect at this page, barryrobinson.org forward slash core. Well, you folks already know that here at Core Brain Journal, we're on a mission to introduce you to resources that make significant contributions to the investigation of those predictable mind science applications. Our colleagues at DHA Lab Group provide a real difference with treatment options for people at every level, from first awareness of mind problems to those frustrating times when even well-informed treatment becomes surprisingly unpredictable. For my entire professional life, from psychoanalysis to brain scans, I've searched for, yes, improved predictability. The good news for all of us, from professionals to patients, remarkably effective research offers useful, cost-effective, organic options far beyond guesswork with psychiatric medications alone. DHA lab tests measure unbalanced biomedical details through easily available testing, now available globally for a variety of molecular answers from, for example, methylation, copper, and cryptopyrrole challenges. Check in for more details at dhalab.com core. That's D-H-A-L-A-B.com forward slash core. So, Craig, we're back now, and I love that word narrative. You threw it in there, and this is a narrative. We're talking about your life. We're talking about where you were, what you are, how you became what you are. But there's a major, major crossroad. There's a signpost, and there are roads coming together right there, and that is the road that says somewhere in there, stop the medication. That you went from one reality of being soaked to another reality of, oh my gosh, here's the real world. Now tell us about what led you to actually take the steps to take that transition and how did you handle it, please? Well, I tapered down with the psychiatrist uh, guidance. Frankly, a very few psychiatrists know how to do this. And, uh, as she stated herself, they have no research on how to do this. So it was, uh, what's the right word? A crapshoot. As much as it was being given all those drugs, it was going off of them. And I was grateful. You know, I, I, I had to know what it was like. I had to know who I was. And that is what I did. And it has been... So question the most challenging, most difficult and painful two and a half years in my life. And it's okay. It really is. Well, Craig, what made it painful? What that's that's what we want to get down. Did you feel like you went crazy when you went off the meds? Did you feel like you couldn't find the bathroom? Did you have like an emotional thing? Did you have a cognitive thing where you couldn't think right? Did you feel like you didn't know what what, what actually happened to you mentally when you went off the meds? It sounds like they worked with you in terms of doing it carefully uh, and not precipitously, which would leave, leave discontinuation syndrome. But tell us I have, I have a discontinuation. I am damaged from it, and I likely will be forever. And I'll explain what I mean. It's okay that it happened because I'm happier now than I've ever been. I mean, I really, truly am fighting myself. It's the result of all this. And what I say when I describe this is 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 what I'll share now. When I had done off the medication, it was May of 2015. I was working as a uh, peer support uh, counselor, uh, personal lived experience, working in the mental health field, where I shared openly about my experiences. 
Um, and during the time period uh, when I was finally going off all the medication, at the job, and I'm just giving context here because it's quite relevant uh, to your question. Uh, I'll just give a brief because it's not really the focus of this conversation. But I was working as a provider, and uh, as a mandated reporter, I was legally required to report if I saw anything that was unacceptable or abusive uh, at work. And so that's what I did. You say as a provider, were you a therapist, or was that a profession? Uh, you, you became a, I peer, uh, a peer support specialist. Uh, uh, I worked uh, at a uh, human service agency along uh, with different people working there. Uh, the place I worked, we were all people with lived experience with mental health challenges, uh, all providing these peer support services uh, to augment what other people might be receiving from other uh, centers or, or sources of treatment or not. Um, and just to keep it very brief so you have the context, I had uh, correctly, as a mandated reporter, reported uh, as my legal duty that a coworker was being sexually inappropriate with a patient on a psych ward. And, well, let's just say I must have reported the wrong guy. And so I was forced out of my job and into poverty at the most crucial time when you must have stability to be able to transition off of medication properly. And so those two factors did not provide me any peace. And that really did contribute to a massive spiraling into chaos. And what I mean is that because I was finally uh, not uh, restrained, if you will, by the, the medication, it did not matter uh, you know, you, that it was brand new. It was brand new, but I had never learned since I was a kid how to manage basic emotions, ups and downs, interpersonal connections, how to work with people, how to be in relationships, how to do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I was brand new, immature, inexperienced, naive, unprotected, and my brain was like my, my intellectual capacity for comprehension and it was unreal. It you came out of jail. You were, you were in jail and you came out of jail, basically. Dr. Parker, I developed very quickly, well, just say, let's just call it what it is. We'll call it that word, actually. I developed very quickly from a dormant soul to a very alive spirit. And that right there is not easy to do in a few months, especially not under that kind of pressure that I just described, especially not with no experience. It's a lifelong thing that started to happen. And so I did experience severe cognitive disruptions. I, I became wild. It's okay. It's a natural response to being free. I mean, what would a dog do if it was caged all its life and you finally let it go outside? Hopefully it would know it's okay to run. So I was just like a, a caged animal or a person being set free. But I was caged that whole time. So how do you exist in a world that makes no sense? So you didn't have any built-in internal structure is what you're saying. You, you were snowed with chemicals and mm -hmm. you didn't have a built-in set of um, internal criteria for what you did and you didn't have a structure. So then what happens is you, to coin a phrase, became a little unzipped out there in the real world and you then had some, uh, you, you took some license with your life. It sounds like, it sounds like you just uh, 
And when you say ran wild, tell us what you mean by that. Oh, well, I just opened my mouth and spoke what I knew. And I didn't realize that the world didn't want to hear from somebody who didn't have a filter. And that's yeah. what happened. Gotcha. I developed a clarity about others, an insight, an intuition. It's like, it's like I had this um, deep, deeply dormant, yet like, I don't want to say desperate, but like impassioned empathy just within me. And this, this like, this love, this like love of a child, this love of a like, a baby that never really got, it never was realized, it never, never became, and everything at the same time. My friends that I thought I had just they couldn't understand. You know, the reality is, how could I expect anybody who knew all these years? Craig Lewis is this. He did that. He got arrested. Like, oh, he's going crazy. Oh, this. Oh, his parents said he had this diagnosis. He's in this hospital. He's in this fight. He's begging for the, you know, that kind of stays with you. And so all of a sudden, I wasn't on those pills anymore. The doctor said, you don't need them. I knew that. I started to get better. But at the slightest sign of a struggle, which is, as you know yourself, is going to happen during these very challenging circumstances, the world just saw the same guy they always saw. And, and no matter- there's a lot going on in your head. You know, I got to stop you because there's an important point that's going on right here, listeners. And this is something all of our listeners here at CBJ know about because it's one of the me- – pardon me for singing the same song, folks, but here's the situation. When the criteria is amorphous, when the criteria is based on the superficiality of appearances, everybody's an expert. So what happens is the parents can be an expert. The, uh, the docs who are using superficial criteria, they're all experts in agreeing or disagreeing based on imprecise variables. So then what happens is Craig is at that time a patient, a human being in a situation with everybody. He's the quintessential guinea pig in the game of appearances and guesswork. So what happens is because we go with this diagnosis, we're going to give him this medication. We're guessing at this diagnosis, we're going to guess that medication. We're going to hope that works across our fingers. Then we got the parents telling us what's going on who have no formal training whatsoever. And I can tell you, I've had my brush with the New York Times and they have no formal training. And, you know, their whole situation is, let me tell you, this is the way it is. And they, you know, it's, it's amazing the level of innocence, straight up ignorance that occurs based on somebody said something about somebody. I mean, it winds up being a sea of gossip. And, and Craig is there at the end of a medical outcome of a sea of gossip. And this guy is, he's honked off. Now, what he's trying to do, well, I'm translating it freely. Craig, you disagree with me if you want to. He's trying to say, folks, the people that I'm loving, the people that I'm feeling this passion, compassion for, this empathy, is the people who are suffering with the guesswork downstream from the games. 
And I'm, I'm not people. feeling completely compassionate about the medical profession. In fact, I'm not really, you haven't said this, Craig, but I mean, the implication is, is pretty straightforward. I don't have a lot of use for the medical profession because I was on the behind of the medical profession. And what was going on, I had all kinds of things happen to me. Now, here's where I do take some exception with you because I think there are numerous, numerous peoples, people <laughs> who are trying to be precise with their diagnosis and treatment. So, you know, you can't be, I'm my own opinion, I'm disagreeing with you a little bit here, Greg. A person, not saying you personally, a person can't be categorical on the other side. So they were categorical about you being the guy with the problems. You can't be categorical back to them that all the whole medical profession is screwed up because the truth of the matter is the medical profession is doing what they can based on the limitations of appearance criteria. So they're trying to do the right thing. So I'm forgiving them a little bit. Um, and and yep, it is a serious, serious problem. And that's really one of the reasons we wanted to have you on. Because you're saying, hey, guys, I'm an example of a person who has been in many years in my own internal penitentiary of medication penitentiary. They let me out. I didn't know what reality was. You didn't say it this way, but you, I couldn't find the bathroom when I got out because I had no idea what was going on. So, yeah, I was running around all over the place. And, and of course, all that would do would be to confirm that uh, everybody who was speculating about you was 100% right, <laughs> you know, because you didn't have the internal wherewithal when you unzipped yourself from prison, you know, so... So um, pardon me for going on a little bit, but I wanted to paraphrase what you were saying because I think that, you know, Craig is a guy who is in pain. He's, a, he's in serious pain. And Craig, tell us, as we close down here, we do have to wind up. It, closed, it sounded to me we had a very, very brief conversation before we got started. But it sounded like you had a compassionate, thoughtful, current person who understands what's going on with you and has some... Um, structured, reasonable input from a mental health perspective. So you've kind of found the right person. Yeah, that's, that person is me. Forward. Is that true? That person is me. Okay. You didn't have, okay. I misunderstood that. Okay. No, no, definitely. I am the one who makes these decisions about me. I got you. I got you. Uh, two years ago was two years ago. I am much more suited to help myself than somebody who cannot possibly fathom my, my situation. Okay. I got you. I misunderstood you. No worries. So where am I at? Uh, quickly, let me just say, I am not uh, going on record at all saying that I am 100% against the medical system. I am saying, make good choices, be compassionate, respect that people have experiences that look like one thing and could be another, and, and, and help people make the most informed decisions possible so they can, make, you know, they can do what's right for them, work with people. That's what I'm saying. So if there are providers out there, as I've come across a few here and there, then they are, I know they're out there and they should be respected. And it's hard to be in a, a profession where some people do so much hurt and some people really mean well. So I want to just make, make that known. Um, but where am I at right now? I have been forced by, by life and everything that happened to forgive myself for everything. I've been forced because of all this to forgive everybody. I forgive my family. I forgive every psychiatrist. I forgive every person who's ever hurt, hurt me. I have not forgotten 
But I also know that the human condition is such that people generally do the best they can, and sometimes people are brought up in a way or taught things that they just know, and they do what they do. No one stayed up at night conspiring to hurt Craigless. It just happened. And so I want to live in a world where that forgiveness that I have for these troubled individuals who have hurt me, that that forgiveness is healing for them because only somebody, including a psychiatrist, who would do such horrific things to a child and let their life just spiral and then when they need them the most, just run them off. Only someone like that is someone who needs my compassion the most because only someone like that who is so hurt to believe that it's okay to hurt people is there's somebody who truly needs support and help and, and, and after what they've proven they, they do. So I have compassion for them. I only want to love them for being human beings and understand that they're hurt too. And I will have gratitude for them for providing situations that have been so unbearable for me that I was left with only one choice, to live or die. And I chose to live because all the experiences that have happened throughout all the years of my life, the losses, the poverty, the hurt, and I am still hurt. I am, I am in deep pain, but I am loving myself more than ever. I am in deep pain, but I'm forgiving all. I look to the future. I look to the present. How can I make my life better? What can I do to make the world a better place? I, I cannot let all this happen and then continue a cycle of hurt. Yeah. It's a long, hard journey of trying to transform yourself in a world that's unforgiving, that doesn't understand, that truly doesn't understand. But at some point, what really matters is focusing on what's really important. And if you just figure out what that is for yourself, like I think I'm getting better at, like how can I be the best I can be right now? Mm-hmm. What can I do mm-hmm. to be a better person? How can I help make sure that others don't get hurt like this? How can I help providers make sure that they do the best job possible so yeah. they don't have to hear 30 years later, like some people in my life, that something they did destroyed a child? How about you have your legacy be, I really cared about people and I invested myself to make sure that when I'm working with people who have been hurt, traumatized, whatever it is, that I do so with compassion in the very way that I would want to treat my own child or be treated myself when I was in their shoes. That is what I want to accomplish. I don't care about yesterday. I don't care about who did what. I care about what can I do right now to be the best I can be? How can I give to the world in a beneficial way? And I, and I pray and I believe and I use natural medicine and I try the best I can. And if I do that, I believe everything is going to work out because frankly, nobody is going to save my butt no matter what happened to me. And frankly, there's a lot of things that have happened that need a lot of saving and it just ain't happening. I you know, Craig, one of the things you said right there, I think is that so important is you were talking about self mastery, build self esteem. Yeah. And what you've done is you've taken responsibility for your life in a constructive way, even clarifying the point that I made, which was, it sounded like you were being negative. You said, hey, Parker, I'm not really being negative. I'm really affirmative about this whole thing. I know what's, I know better from within myself what's right and what's wrong for me. And that then builds a sense of self-esteem and self-mastery. So I'm less inclined to be innocent. I'm less inclined to be not knowledgeable. And I'm more inclined to ask the right questions and think where I'm going to go. And, of course, I'm going to be compassionate 
about those suffering as I have along the way. And you're, you're giving this important message to folks to say, hey, guys, you know, you don't have to do it the wrong way. If it feels like it's wrong, stand up and be counted. That's really, I'm summarizing in one sentence what you've said. And I think it's a very important reason to have you on, and I appreciate you coming on board. And just, we got to close here, but I want to just ask you to tell us, if you can real quickly, Craig, where people can connect with you, your website, what people, where you would like people to go if they would wish to connect with you in some way. Thank you so much for this beautiful opportunity to speak with you. I absolutely cherish this moment. I am grateful. Uh, please go to our website, uh, betterdaysinternational.net. You will find there information about our many uh, different books that we've offered, that we've written. Myself, uh, the newest book is called New Traditions. It was written with my best friend, dear friend, uh, and really the person who's really taught me so much in the past few years. Her name is Sherry. Uh, we wrote this book together. It's a workbook, and I love it. Please check it out on our website. Also, the other books we have as well: Better Days, uh, a mental health recovery workbook, and You're Crazy, which is a uh, anthology of uh, people from the punk rock scene, like I am, uh, sharing their experiences uh, with mental health, struggle, addiction, and trauma. You'll also find information there about our workshops and all the many things we do. We travel around the world, and we love connecting with people like you, Dr. Parker, and the people listening and making a difference. So, as I said, if you go to betterdaysinternational.net, you will find everything, and we will truly uh, – we truly – uh, await your contact and we're grateful for all the support and beautiful people in the world doing good work we thank you so much thank you craig really appreciate you coming on board buddy and the best of luck to you along the way and luck is determined by what you do and how you master yourself correctly and you know that so you're on the path man thank you my friend well. i am so grateful have a beautiful evening you too thanks for listening to Cobrain journal we're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. Here we share the complexity of mind science because, as you know, details really do matter. One of the most pervasive misunderstood challenges is how commonplace medications, like those written for ADHD, are used so regularly without clear guidelines. If you think you'd like more specifics, take a minute to download my two-page PDF packed with video links and references on the absolute essentials of how to start ADHD medications. They're easily available at corebrainjournal.com forward slash start. Thanks for listening. Do connect and stay tuned. Together we can make a difference.